and welcome to Volume 1, Issue 20 of the Cane and Rinse podcast. In 1995, Michel Ancel's first project as lead was the pastel-coloured platform game Rayman. Launching soon after the original PlayStation in Europe, its comfortingly last-gen sensibilities made it a sleeper hit with a long tail in among the neon 3D, in the old-fashioned polygonal sense, flash of Wipeout Ridge Racer et al. Naturally enough, our limbless hero himself went 3D for his next outings in the late 90s, early 2000s, before 2011's Rayman Origins saw a return to his two-dimensional roots, starting out as a downloadable title before eventually swelling, or at least morphing, into a physical retail release. Joining me to discuss Rayman Origins this week, we have Tony Atkins. Hello. James Carter. Hello. And Josh Garrett. Hello. And my name's Leon Cox, I forgot to say. Welcome, everybody. So, Rayman, then. Let's start at the very beginning. Let's catch up to speed. How did we get to Rayman Origins? Um, any memories of the original Rayman? Hello. Yeah, I did play the original Rayman, but I was quite yes. young at the time. Yes. I was about eight years old when I played the oh. original Rayman. Well, it was... It was family friendly. So, um, can you remember what you thought of it as an eight-year-old? What other platformers were you playing at the time, and how did it compare? At that age, strangely enough, I wasn't a huge uh, gamer. I was much more interested in like films, like Disney films and stuff like that. And gaming was more something my brother was interested in uh, at the time. So I just kind of played on his PlayStation when he wasn't playing on it. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I hadn't really encountered uh, 2D platformers. So you could say Rayman was my first uh, 2D platformer. Oh, okay. And I remember being like really taken in by the art style. I thought it was really interesting. And as you know, at that age, you're kind of immediately drawn to that kind of stuff. I don't really remember how well it played. I think mainly because as a kid, you just think everything's awesome. So um, <laughs> I, I I remember enjoying it and um, and liking it, but I don't know if I played it now, I, I would still have the same opinion of it. But at okay. that age, it kind of played kind of well, and it was good. So you, yeah, Rayman ahead of Mario and Sonic for you, and, and all the others. Yeah, at, really. At that point, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> that's mad. I was uh, I was twenty three years old when I played Rayman one for the first time. Uh, only a demo of it um, on the official PlayStation magazine's demo disc. I think uh, I wasn't particularly taken with it. Um, I was a veteran of many a platformer at this point going back to the 8-bit days obviously and the arcades and in recent years uh, we'd had a lot of sort of quite impressive 16-bit cartoony style platformers. Um, I certainly had no objections to going back and playing a 2D game on a PlayStation although we remember that Sony weren't very keen on releasing 2D games at this point because they wanted to promote their machine as a polygon pushing powerhouse. Uh, but they did allow, in the end, the release of Rayman and Worms. But I think the thing that put me off Rayman, apart from the slightly uninspiring, if pretty, demo, was that uh, it wasn't so much that I could only face playing Wipeout and Tekken and Ridge Racer on my PlayStation, but I think it was that I wasn't massively sold on the character design at all. I think Rayman's kind of a bit naff, and actually going back 
to the original game as I have done you can see he's had a lot of redraws since then and uh, he looks slightly more appealing than he did in the original game um, whereas Sonic Team have made Sonic less and less appealing <laughs> with each re uh, reimagining um, Rayman's actually got a lot kind of more appealing although I still don't love him um, but it was also it was a port as far it, 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 this game was originally planned to come out on the SNES where it w which would have made a lot of sense um, but it ended up being sort of upgraded to a Jaguar game, an Atari Jaguar uh, console, which is one that I never owned. I had this brand new PlayStation, and Rayman didn't seem like a particularly exciting way to spend thirty, forty pounds on it. Mm, I I played it, but I'm somewhere stuck in between you guys because I was fifteen. So I think I was probably a bit too cool for school for such. What I, at the time would have been, eh, it's whimsy. Yeah. Um, which is a shame, actually, because if you go back and look at it now, um, I played it a little bit uh, earlier um, in the week and um, watched a ton of stuff, actually, on YouTube as well. And you can see the origins of a lot of stuff that happens throughout the Rayman series. Um, yeah, I was surprised. Uh, I've also gone back to the PlayStation original on PSN, and mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot more stuff in there that is in Origins than I was expecting. You've got the, the hidden crates of Electoons, you've got a lot of the enemies are the same, you've even got the flying mosquito levels. Yeah, and it's got a lot of the charm of um, a lot. Well, the rest of the games in the series. So you have um, a band land, for instance. Uh, so it wasn't just a, a, you know, a colourful platform game, there was actually a lot of inspiration in there to, to create something slightly different. I think the, the problem is, and I can't tell you wh whether this was at the time, because it's a bit fuzzy in my memory, but now it's very, very floaty in its, in its jumping and slow, controls. And just slow, just really slow. Yeah, uh, yeah. no, it, well, it was a bit floaty and slow back in the mid-90s, but now, uh, after playing Origins and particularly thinking of Super Meat Boy... Well, it's a different game. That's an entirely different game. Well, um, it's going to keep coming up in this podcast because it's a modern platformer. At that stage, then, if you're talking about Rayman, you have to bring up uh, Mario games. Well, really Mario, Mario and Sonic were already much faster. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, without doubt, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, but it does... Uh, visually, it's aged okay. Mm. Um, compared to many, many PlayStation 1 games, particularly the polygon-based stuff... Welcome to its 2D their, nature, that's why. Yes, exactly, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's actually... You know, for the time it was very high res, and I remember screenshots looking very attractive at the time. And yeah, even blown up on a large LCD screen, it looks okay. It doesn't, you know, we're going to talk about the graphics of the new game shortly. Um, but it, yeah, it's obviously it's inferior, but it's all right. He was a bit of a joke back then as well, because I don't think many people got the whole look. He's got no arms, no legs. Um, Art, artistic styling of him I think it just was a bit well what are they trying to aim at who are they trying to aim at I mean I think actually Josh was probably the right age group um, strangely because it was actually quite a hard platformer again yeah uh, you know, parallels of all the uh, the rest of the releases within the Rayman series but it certainly felt like it was aimed at a slightly younger audience than what we had seen before well what we had seen with even Marriott games because they were you know, traditionally quite tricky and I think you know, we grew up with them but yeah. He was neither particularly cute nor particularly cool. No. Just sort of... Not the PlayStation yeah. generation. And he had no limbs, which was a sort of technical consideration, even though we'd been playing platformers with characters with limbs for 15 years at this point. Uh, it, all a bit bizarre. But um, I kind of... Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't play this one beyond the demo. And mm. then when the sequels came out, 2 was on N64, that sort of era, and Dreamcast. Uh, yeah, 2 was 1999. Yeah. So um, again, I was just thinking, 
as with this, as as with Rayman One, where I was probably thinking are uh, inferior to uh, Japanese, you know, platform games of the period, um, and possibly inferior to Mega Drive and SNES equivalents. So the 3D ones inferior to Banjo Kazooie, inferior to Mario 64. This is in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, was I sorely mistaken? You were. Um, it's actually gone down in, in history, I, and I, I'm not too sure at the time people were quite as glued in, uh, glued in as they are now with it. Um, Rayman 2, for me, it was Rayman 2 Great Escape. It was released on, I think it was the plate, it was, yeah, it was a PS1, and then the N64 uh, PC and the Dreamcast, which came out a little mm. bit later. Um, so it crossed generations. It did, and I played the Dreamcast um, version nice. because at the time I'm desperate for content, for, obviously, for the Dreamcast, and it, you know, it was the new generation of consoles, and it was going to look mm. better. Mm. Um, yeah, and it, it it's a absolutely superb platformer. Um, it's actually in amongst my favourite games of all time, um, which is obviously we, we're not we're not going to be covering this game in particular, but there is some absolutely brilliant platforming stuff in there if you were to compare it to anything it would um, be very similar to Mario um, 64 in its platforming stylings there's some really difficult platforming areas but it, you're actually pretty in control of your character as Raymond at the time they do a lot of stuff as well they I mean you, you've gone from 2d to 3d and they embraced the, the 3d world like um, all n64 games seem to do at that time and it's within that mold, kind of the Banjo Kazooie, uh, Mario 64, like the sliding down things, collecting lumps. They added um, voice in in the Dreamcast version. Uh, I'm thinking that was in the PlayStation One as well, but not in the N64 version. Mm. So it gave it a lot more personality. There was a big story arc that went through it, and continuing with the serious traits that would you know go forward all the way up until a Rayman Origins, it had a fantastic art style. Uh, this one in particular was uh, a pirate ship had come uh, and to destroy the. The world, and um, you had to basically destroy the the, the centre of the earth, which then you have to basically pick up the little pieces, which are the lums. Um, I think there was a thousand lums scattered across the universe, and you <laughs> had to pick up each one. But presumably, with the technical restrictions of the day, it wouldn't have been as sort of hand-drawn looking and as artistic looking as either the original or Origins. No, no, it's it's within the... I would say probably closest to Banjo-Kazooie in that respect. Yeah. Um, if you go back to it now, the camera's too close. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the platforms are a little bit all over the place. But at the time, I, I become obsessed with the, the Dreamcast version. Mm. Um, in, in fact, actually, if you go back now, it's very odd. They... They released it on so many platforms. So, as I said, PlayStation 1, N64, PC, and Dreamcast. Then it eventually came out for the PlayStation 2 in a kind of rejig version. It made its way to the Game Boy in Color, the Nintendo DS is on the iPhone platforms, and most recently the 3DS. And actually, they keep making changes to the, the, the core gameplay. Mm, um, good or bad? Different cut. Changes. Well, it, it's weird, isn't it? Because different cutscenes. Um, mm play slightly differently um, depending on the power of the platform there's there's extra bits in there or there's extra stuff going on there but they run roughly the same um, speed so there's you know the gameplay is pretty much identical but they add lots of environmental stuff that isn't in there and each pool so mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a weird one which I would it, it, to suggest but I think probably the Dreamcast one is the one I played and I think that and the PC is regarded as the the best version out of the long list of loads that have come out Okay, but it is it is a Honestly, it's a fantastic 3D platformer, um, right. right up there with the kings of the platforming games. And if you go now, and actually, this, this is where history's proved, you know, like you know, history's proved that a lot of people did actually love this game. Mm. It's, it's Metacritic score is still 90%. Um, it, I, I still think it's actually um, my favourite of all the series. Um, 
we'll get on to free freeze freeze i think a mess uh, and for good reason that but it's oh. it's where michelle ansel um really starts to stretch uh, his creative kind of world design so presumably being such a huge fan of two and i remember it again yeah i remember it being on, on my radar and remembering that it was getting good reviews but as i say it just i think it was a combination of the character and things put me off um you were presumably then stoked for the third one, which Very was much. A, a fully next-gen game, as it were, although there were also versions on handhelds and things, and N-Gage, if you like. Uh, but it, it was chiefly game, uh, GameCube, PlayStation 2, and Xbox. And this is getting an HD remake soon. Um, so, Tony, why is this getting an HD remake when the vastly superior Rayman 2 is not for download i i can only guess it's because rayman 2 has had remakes all over the place on many different platforms okay uh, i mean the reason it's had that is because it's it's the best in the series the best in the franchise mm. um but i you know i guess a lot of people wouldn't have ever played free um although it's only a few what 2003 so i guess it's 10 years old not nine years i old. don't remember it being a smash hit but uh, i i it imagine it's sold um, to the fans I don't think it did. It, do you remember what happened with Jack and Daxter? Anybody here remember what, that we were going through this period yeah. um, around two thousand and three, where old games like the 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 original Raymans, where they were cutesy and you know had interesting art design, we we kind of went down this path of everything needs to be slightly more emo and slightly edgy. more dark, edgy. Yeah, Prince um, of Persia, Jack and Daxter, yeah, the, yeah, various. The two thrones, yeah, every, everything. Yeah, Jack and Daxter was another one I was going to talk about, which is it, it went all down this edgy path. And Free did exactly the same thing. It, it it turned him into this. He had red eyes all of a sudden. Um, uh, he's frowning he this, on the box and punching yeah. the the box holder in the face. He had dark powers. Oh, this uh, is like Shadow black, the Hedgehog, yeah. but before yeah, Shadow black the lums instead of the the normal lum. You know, the red lums and. The the environmental design was all me- me- mechanical and it it lost something in in that transition. It, it, Rayman is just he's a he's, a, I'm, I know when you say cutesy, it it makes it sound probably worse than it is. But it, you know it, he embodies that kind of happy happiness, um, even when he's taking down enemies. You know the enemies are kind of cutesy enemies. Um, you know, <laughs> so when he goes dark and mysterious, it, it just didn't suit the the. Um, the style of the game and there was good reason for that as well because uh, Michel Ansel didn't actually work on the game ah. um, he actually went off at this point um, after Rayman 2 which I, you know, he created a fantastic game he went on to work for uh, on Beyond Good and Evil whilst uh, the rest of the team went on, yeah, went on to work with um, the third game and it probably shows for it because without his guiding touch of the environmental stuff I think that's probably where it lacks the most. The platforming is still fine, and I'm actually going to replay the the HD remake because I, you know, I do like Rayman. But um, yeah, I think I'd rather see the HD mm. version of of two. But, so but they're long I. games as well. Yeah, and it just seems to make sense, even though even though two may have come out on various platforms, it hasn't come out for download on the two main console platforms of of the era in terms of being used for gaming. Um, I don't particularly want to play it on my iPhone, but I would happily, especially given your praise for it, play Rayman 2 on XBLA or PSN. Um, but now, hearing what I'm hearing about Rayman 3 and looking, I you know, I'd never been aware that Ansel wasn't directly involved um, mm-hmm. in, and he's not the producer on this one. I've very little interest in playing this now. Um, that's probably the best place then would be to get the PC version. 
I mean, it's it, you probably have to play it in somewhat of a window, get a controller in there, but it, uh, you know, it'd mm. probably play relatively similar to the Dreamcast version. Yeah. I'll just get the Dreamcast out. I know you got the Dreamcast. I got the game. I'll lend you the Dreamcast okay. version <laughs> when I've got have many hours spare. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, look, well, let's before we before we come up to date with Origins and talk a little bit about how that came into being. Um, Michelle Ansel's other games. We're not going to depth here because. Uh, they're games that possibly deserve shows in their own right on Kane and Rince but well, um, one does <laughs> my first uh, Ansel game apart from that Rayman demo was Beyond Good and Evil um, which was uh, that gen Playstation 2 Gamecube and Xbox don't know if there was a PC version I don't think so I don't know uh, it's on PC it's on it Steam is on, yeah. it is on PC because that's what, that's what they used to create the HD version that came of out on XBL and PSN last year yes because that had already been treated to some upgraded textures lovely okay yeah. very good yes yeah. I do have I do have the HD version I completed the original on Playstation 2 and it's a sort of uh, it's a Zelda game um, if you're going to boil it right down but it has a really interesting atmosphere story some cool yeah. ideas mechanics it's funny it's got a great soundtrack Any mm. anyone else want to feedback on BG and E um, you may do it one day yeah no um, I'll just say that I don't think it's as good as some people say it is but I do think it's a good game controversial there we go controversial. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it I only played it last year when the HD remake came out yeah. um, and I thought it was great Um as what is essentially a platformer, I think the platforming has been surpassed. Yes. It was at that stage where 3D platforming was still finding its feet. That yep. sort of, well, f- from, I mean, we talked about it previously, but from the point in sort of 2000 with Alice uh, last week we were talking mm. about, it hadn't really worked. It was only really a couple of franchises that were really hitting the mark around 2000. And by 2003, it still hadn't really been sorted. Um, and and yeah, it suffers a little bit from that. So cameras a bit iffy. Yeah. Um. There's some stealth sections which don't really work great. No, they're not the strong. You can work around them, but I think what people remember it fondly for is the the story, the atmosphere, the characters, and mm. it's the, design. The, yeah, Again. the design. Yeah, absolutely. And and some of the uh, very high definition images that have been released of potential artwork for a sequel really raised yeah. a lot of eyebrows I think there's um, there's some promise there if they can get the gameplay right I think that it could really be something if it special. ever comes out it's been being yeah. sort of teased for several years now and without any sort of actual gameplay well, footage the, the, the promise was that if Rayman Origins did well enough that that would allow Michel Ancel to go on and make BG&E 2 so hmm. Well, that remains to be seen, I suppose. I'm not sure well, it's, it probably it's, did sell well as well it as has, hoped, It has similarities with Rayman in that respect, because bear in mind that the last proper Rayman would be 2003. So we've waited all but nine years for mm. A, mm. a proper sequel to that, and you know, Beyond Good and Evil, what is... Yeah, it's 2003, isn't it? So Yeah, yeah. yeah same. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're probably due it, and I'd imagine that's definitely on the agenda because yeah. the rumours is that's what he's working on definitely now after he's finished uh, mm. Rayman Origins hope so uh, and uh, yeah I hope the legacy of those excellent characters isn't damaged in, in any way hopefully that's, he that's has that's the weird thing here isn't it because um, Beyond Good and Evil 
has sort of been forgotten by Ubisoft aside from the the HD remake in, in the nine years since it was made. Mm. Whereas Rayman, the opposite happened. They didn't forget about <laughs> well, it so much as, looking at the show notes here, drive it into the ground, kind of. Sort of. Determinedly get rid of it, almost, you could yeah. say. Um, well, let's, uh, d- let's before we go back to uh, how we got to Origins, um, let's just, d- I, I, I imagine this is familiar to people who picked up a, an Xbox 360 at launch. I've not played it. Uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong was another of Michel Ansel's projects. And who knows that that to me smacks of we have a great talent in the studio. I think at that at that phase, the point he'd he'd um, risen the ranks yeah. up into you know more of a higher management point, and they obviously wanted their new HD next gen title, and he was given the reins this this game. But it, it, he was obviously so restricted in what he could do based on the movie uh, license stuff. That also came um, out on the previous gen systems, didn't did it? it? Mm. Yeah. Um, it's not a great game. No, I mean it. It received relatively warm reviews at the time, um, as did the movie Peter Jackson's remake. But both since seem to have gone down in people's estimation. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so it was a sort of was it first person multi part adventure thing, movie time. First person wander through jungle. Uh, I remember lighting fires to move through uh, cordon off areas, throwing spears at. Uh, scorpions and crocodiles and then um, being chased with the big dinosaurs and then King Kong himself having a big tussle with a, a, a gigantic uh, well Tyrannosaur. gigantic Tyrannosaurus Rex wasn't it yeah. Yeah. yeah which was very cool but I think I was more impressed by the fur texture than anything else right. in that game right so yeah. reviewers possibly dazzled by next gen loveliness mm. although none of that will remain now if you booted it up I booted up um, a couple of years ago, actually. Mm. Uh, I was helping someone play through because it's an easy 1,000-point game. It is, famously um, so. Yes, and it, it really didn't... I, I remember being... It, I, it's, a, it's okay, and it's comparative to, to what we expect now. It's, no, it's very scripted, very narrow corridors, and actually the game design is, is pretty just bog-standard game design. Nothing special at all, which is odd, because you know, a lot of his other titles mm. have unique stuff to them, where Peter Jackson's was just felt like a, a tie-in game, and that was it. Okay. So, the year after that, in 2006, there, there is a video. You can look this up on YouTube. <laughs> Rayman 4, 2006, uh, which looked like it was going to be a sequel to Rayman 3 um, on the Wii. Mm-hmm. Now, the promotional video has a fair amount of gameplay being showed. It looks like it was at a relatively advanced stage, not, a, not on the drawing board, but the video also has... That thing that you never want to see, which is a group of people sitting on a sofa with Wiimotes and nunchucks in their hands, frantically waggling them. It's not just any group of people, though, is it? There's a stereotypical of group of people. Punky yeah. kids. It's the enthusiastic kids, the yep. emo teenager, yep. and the granddad. Yep. The <laughs> we are targeting all ages, all genders, all types. Yep. All, it's That's true. Oh. Yeah. Um, and so it looked like in this game Rayman was going to punch people by waggling he was going to fly about on a bird by waggling he was going to platform by waggling anyone else got anything to say about this? obviously there's a character or characters that appear in this video that become crucial to the future of the Rayman franchise the Rabbids I think one thing that's interesting about that trailer watching it now is that it feels like the whole opening part of that trailer is almost a metaphor for what's happened recently with Rayman. Just Rayman <laughs> Origins beating back all the 
uh, raving rabbits marketing and games <laughs> and trying to desperately kill them all. But um, it was kind of hilarious because I'd never seen that trailer. So No, I hadn't. Yeah, I, I had to post it to you because I actually remember it from the time being a Rayman fan and was like, what have they done to yeah, my franchise? Yeah, that must have been crushing to see that be, you know, from Rayman well, 2 to get to Of course, that. people weren't quite so... Uh, negative and sick of the sight yeah. of those waggle mercials at no, that point. But or indeed the rabbits but at that point. Yeah. We were excited by the, the whole rabbits thing. were yeah. actually quite quite appealing, I think. And more so than Rayman, I would argue. Okay, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my thing. I mean I've I felt because I've been such a big fan of Rayman too, um, and I've always been very vocal about this that I thought Rayman 2 Great Escape was a fantastic game and more people should have played it mm. at the time um, and it's it's kind of like at that time I'd imagine when you were a fan of Star Wars before it was cool again you remember it was it was cool at one point and then it went for that really bad period where you're, you're just weird for liking it well, so I've been told I obviously wasn't around that era mm. and then it kind of became cool again as you know the geek culture uh, rose in, in, in this world Um I, I felt like I was that with Rayman. Like, I mean, oh, Rayman Two is fantastic. People should play it. It's really one of the best 3D platformers out there. You can buy, and obviously they just didn't know where to take um, Rayman into the future. It, bear in mind we're, we're in Rain, we're in 2006. New generations consoles are here, um, and I think we're at that time where we're going. Well, does Rayman play in this generation? Um, you know, his cutesy antics, his no arms, his no legs. Can they work in this generation? And they clearly tried to make it work. Um, they moved it over to Wii, and uh, Michelle Ansel was actually involved in the, the making of that Rayman Four stuff. The, yeah, the stuff you yeah. see there, he was on board at that Absolutely, point. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's when they decided that it, someone sensibly probably looked at that and said, "Look, this is just—it's it's clearly not going to work. You know, this isn't really what Rayman is." Uh, and then they turned it into the Rayman, the Raving Rabbit series. That actually Michelle Ansel jumped off board at that point he's, he didn't really want to go down that route um, didn't really see much much love for his characters that he'd um, mm. been uh, so involved in in the past uh, and he was probably right to do so because what happened between 2006 and 2011 we had what, f- six games uh, yeah six games but something like I don't know 20 odd Skews across, if you you know, including ports mm. and various versions on different machines, you know, yeah. DS and Mac and PC and yeah. they had. It felt like to me, anyway, as a fan of the, the series, that they had basically just ditched the roots of Rayman. Uh, they were making money from the Raven Rabbit series, yeah. and we were never actually going to get to see Rayman again. It was just going to be these annoying rabbits, which I admit they were cute at the start. But some of the games had relatively on. positive receptions. They uh, did. Uh, Rayman Raven, the original Rayman Raving Rabbits, on the Wii 2006. Uh, I played it. Yeah, that was quite well received, and uh, Rabbits Go Home which is only yes. three years ago, 2009. That was possibly even better received, but uh, there's also the likes of Rabbids Lab on the Wii, um, which has a game ranking of 30%. Mm. A DS version of Rayman Raving Rabbids TV Party, 40%. Mm. Raving Rabbids on the G- Game Boy Advance, 49%. Um, so, arguably, these games were doing nothing other than tarnishing the name. Not all of them have the Rayman name on them, most of them do. It, yeah, it kind of it spawned into its own thing. Yeah. But anybody of uh, an older generation knew where its origins had mm. uh, come from. And 
Michelle Ansel then kind of disappears off the scene. Uh, obviously, I, I think he takes a higher position up within Ubisoft and, and manages them a bit more, but for a long time he, he just disappeared, and it was a shame. Developing it's the Ubi art framework, I believe. Mm. Uh, which So this brings us, finally, after that lengthy, twisted, twisted, twisting opening, to uh, the first sighting of Rayman Origins, E3 2010. I, I remember being pretty much the only one on my Twitter feed going, a new Rayman game, and it's not Raven Rabbits. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. And getting the people basically going, what are you drinking, sir? Because it's a Rayman game. Do we care? Mm. Um, and I, I laughed at the time. I was like, well, just yeah, it's Rayman. Rayman was good. Remember when Rayman was good? And so I was, I was really excited when I knew as soon as they they started playing the the intro of that stuff. I'm like, oh my god, Rayman. Um, so that was my my enthusiasm back in 2010. I didn't. I don't remember seeing this at all in 2010. Um, I don't particularly follow E3 very closely. Uh, if I had seen it then, I would have thought, "Oh, cool! This is a this is a nice uh, looking 2D platformer, of which there aren't many about at this point. And uh, if it plays well, if it's a bit perhaps a bit pacier and a bit less floaty than the uh, Rayman I remember, then it, it might be a good downloadable title, which was the plan." Um, after Ubisoft, including Ancel, developed this UbiArt framework, which I don't quite understand, but apparently it makes it makes it easier to build games with a smaller team due to the way it handles well, art and animation. Does anyone got a better understanding of it than I have? Hopefully, UbiArt is it was I, th- I think it's a way of Ubisoft themselves to explore creativity within their their development team. So the idea of UbiArt um, was that there would be no production of the actual art itself so it was for the art teams basically just to work on beautiful art that could have some relevance within a game Um, it was not to work on any mechanics whatsoever it was basically just the art side and with the platform they built then they could take the art that has been produced without any pressure and see whether they can actually bring it to life. Right. Um, So they were basically you know I imagine it's it's too dissimilar to what um, Drawing within film is you know, so you know Disney production type right. stuff. Um, in fact, they've said it's it's very similar to Weta. It's a it's respect. a graphics engine which allows beautiful two D art to be seamlessly inserted to a game without compromise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's basically it. So they they leave Fantastic. the artist to do to do the drawing, and then uh, the the actual engine itself can bring that art to life just by taking elements of the art pasted at full ten eighty p sixty frames a second without any. Gameplay compromise. Fantastic. Is, is this relevant to what you were talking to um, Adam Capone about? Because he was saying that he would draw something and then they would ask him mm. to basically create a sort of full high res version and then start down resing yeah. until it was fitable into a game. So this is a way to get art straight from the artist into a game without having to sacrifice potentially resolution and, and the way it looks in the game. That's exactly what it sounds like. It, the, the issue, of course, is that we're dealing with a two D game. I was going to say there is, yeah, there is three D ish aspects to, 3D model to it. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, as soon as you start three D modeling, then I assume it's still a two D game made out of polygons because everything is these days. It's not sprites or mm-hmm. you know bitmaps or voxels yeah. or something else. But uh, by its very nature, you'd think it would be less demanding. Um, but uh, the game looked quite pretty in the E three two thousand and ten video, um, and it was it was going to be a downloadable episodic. Uh, 2D platformer um, work working on it were a team of about five people 
Um, so it was, you know, obviously going to be relatively low maintenance for Ubisoft and a potential revenue stream. But as we know, um, it finally came out over a year later on a disc in a box at full price, uh, £40 over here, $60 in America. Um, do, do, does anyone know the story as to how or why this happened? I know the rumours. Um, yeah, that'll do. <laughs> a, few, a few key things changed, didn't they? First of all, it wasn't initially downloadable, although it is on PSN. The PS3 version is on there. For um, 47.99 or something. Ridiculous. They've actually just reduced it for PS. Sorry, I'm plugging PS Plus here. Yeah, it's 24.99 at the moment, which oh, is yeah. much okay. easier to swallow. But yeah. still, cheap, you'll find it cheaper. I'd in already bought the disc, Xbox so, 360 yeah. disc version for 17.99. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So once again proving that downloadable is not the way to go at the moment um, uh, but it's not episodic either and although I'm sure we can all see how the game could be split into episodes totally because it very much sticks to the the different sort of worlds so you've got your world one world two which could have been individual downloadable episodes easily yeah it also wasn't a small team. Those credits, they're not as long as some games, but they're pretty sizable. No, it's... So that five-person team ballooned at some point. It, yes, it, it wasn't a small team in the end, although it, no. it was at first, yeah. yeah. And... It, um, and uh, oh, sorry. I was just going to quickly say, I was struck by how similar the game actually looked, and maybe this is testament to the, the UbiArt framework, was that it did just take five people to get the art in place. Mm. And then what the, the subsequent year following E3 2010 did was allow them to get more people on board to use that art to make the game. Because the art that's shown in that game, although the, the way they put it together in the trailer is a bit different, um, but the art's there. I mean, the, the final, final boss is there. Um, Rayman looks the same. The nymphs look the same. Yep. Many of the individual enemies in the levels look very similar, and mm. the, en the levels look the same. So, it looks strikingly similar to what then came out a year later, more than a year later. Um, from what I heard, uh, once again, you have to question whether Rayman is palatable for uh, the audience it is now. Um, and I believe that the idea was with this. This, I mean, Michelle Ansel was obviously developing this this new framework for the studio. Um, and the idea was to be low risk, um, only spend a certain, a couple of million, or I, that's just a figure, but a small amount mm -hmm. on this as a, an episodic stuff to see whether it was still palatable as a as a franchise to a modern era. Yeah. Um, clearly that got, you know, once, the, I think there was a fairly decent reception to it at E3 2010, and the well the releasing of individual pieces of content as a, an episodic game hasn't had an easy ride so I think at some point clearly there was a meeting that said well let's do this as a full full blown production and uh, maybe they just gave a, a little bit more slack to it once the reception was out there and it seemed to be positive they thought well we can probably push this although there is still a fair amount of argument to say whether it was deserving of a full retail release which mm. I know at the time a lot of people were very well can this possibly be you know, a £45 game coming out at full retail um, it's it's hard to know because it didn't take long for it to, to drop down in price yeah. to silly money um, within mm. a couple of weeks uh, from my value I, th I think it, it just about manages to, to I mean I, I put 20 odd hours into it so you know for me it was worth value for money but 
It, it is a hard one whether a 2D platform I think it would, would have been that. a perfect uh, mid-price release. I think £30 mm. or 40 to $50 would have been absolutely fine because you do get... This is a high-quality package. Uh, perhaps, you know, the lack of online m multiplayer of any kind. You can only play co-op locally, I think. And mm -hmm. uh, there's no sort of even cursory attempt at, at uh, sort of any kind of online shenanigans I, whatsoever which I think it, I'm glad but it's what the normally developers publishers use to justify the price isn't it hmm. I think I think it's a kind of a child of Eden scenario where hmm. that in hindsight they probably would have released it as a slightly lower price which they did on the PS3 you know a few months later down the line well but like yeah Let's, uh, let's like bring Andy Kurosaki's forum post in at this point. He says, uh, this was originally going to be a downloadable game. Why do you guys think they decided to go for a retail release? And why do you think they've not learned from that by charging £35 for the upcoming Vita version? I think there's a difficulty here in that it had already gone out at two uh, E3 2010 that it was going to be downloadable, it was going to be episodic, which sets the tone for how much we expect them to charge when it comes out, irrespective of whether we would judge it to be a worthy of a full retail price um, tag, there is the expectation that it was a downloadable game mm. that they are now repackaging as a full retail release. Yeah. And therefore we expect them not to charge full price. Tony's right. It's I mean, you can easily plow 20 and if you want to go for all the achievement points, get everything out of the game as we generally try and advocate on this show, then you're talking 30, at least 30 hours, I would think, mm -hmm. to get all those speed runs. Yeah. In terms of content, I think we'll probably get into a bit later, but you could argue that some of the levels start to feel a bit rinse and repeat, especially early on in the game. You quite quickly notice that. But in terms of certainly hours played, the amount of fun that I had with it, I, I wouldn't have a problem with paying full price for this. That said, I didn't because it came down in price so quickly Absolutely. that yeah. I ended up paying £23, £24, something like that. Did you pay full price, Josh, or were you a renter? Um, no, because I was unsure as to whether I was going to enjoy the game, so I kind of waited for the price to drop, and then it dropped ridiculously towards yeah. the yeah. very end of the year to like £18 or something, and at that price... Yeah and based on all the praise it was getting I was like I'll go on I might as well um, <laughs> yeah. and I did end up uh, really enjoying it so I'm glad I I'm glad I paid that amount of money for it but if I'd paid more I might have felt slightly burnt but well yeah. I, I came very close to buying the 55 pounds special edition one on Amazon exclusive thing mm. um, what which came uh, with what does that consist of yeah. uh, soundtrack uh, art book and uh, well weirdly it's it comes inside this this case. You take it out, and obviously it's got like this, you know, the, the, all this stuff in. But the actual case turns into this pop-up um, cutout kind of, you know, with the old uh, old kids books where you open it up and the, or, you know the 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 book kind of opens yeah, up and pop-up book, yeah, pop-up book, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it basically has that with the characters on it. They all pop up out of the uh, the gaming case. And it looks kind of cool and funky, but uh, three I have to times say, the price. Well, I have to say a big thank you to actually 
Paul Shotton, uh, my friend Paul Plexshaw. Uh, he he brought me it for Christmas. Um, I think he had paid thirty-five pound for it in the end. Oh, sweet. A deal. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I had to I had to wait a few few more weeks because after its release, but it was worth it. I, I felt anyway for the, the special edition because I was excited for it. Post some pics one. of it on the uh, forum thread about the game. No, it should actually. Yeah, no, it's 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 very cool. Um, one thing I actually will say back in back when I first saw the. The announcement of it, uh, E3 2010. I was actually disappointed it was a, a 2D platformer um, because I, I didn't see the need to go back to its right. its roots. Because you um, loved the second game so much. Yeah, I loved the second. I, mm. you know, I felt like it was it's somewhat of a you know, a backstep, you know, a downgrade. Um, you know, it's just re- you know he's now just a 2D game, 2D game and not worthy of a, a full team working on a 3D adventure. I suppose since Braid in 2008, um, sort of t- attractive. Uh, hand-drawn, pastel-coloured looking 2D platformers on downloadable services have been in vogue so it, it kind of makes sense you do get the odd 3D platformer on downloadable services, the more but uh, mm. not so much, it makes sort of makes less sense somehow But To answer Andy Karaszewski's question about the Vita, costing £35 mm. um, welcome to launch titles yes yeah, I mean it's clearly just that it, it, they, they can because there's well the the launch title was very you know there's a very good lineup of launch games mm. on there and I actually think if you haven't played this probably it's, it's a good platform to actually have your first experience with Rayman Origins um, I think £35 it's an okay price to pay for it on yeah day and one, just to clear up if, if you get that in a bundle you won't be paying 35 pounds no. it's not actually up on any shop i've seen for 35 pounds it probably will be if you walk into game or something next wednesday when it comes out um but at the moment online it's probably about 30 pounds if it's in a bundle i mean something like 10 to 15 pounds is what you're going to end up paying for and it. presumably it'll be exactly the same game as the PS3 yeah. and 360 versions. Uh, it should look absolutely glorious on that just as good, on that yes. screen um, and control just as well. Hopefully, it is. There's there's some pinch and pull things on the screen so you can zoom um. in. Um, <laughs> also, when you jump on the enemies and they bubble up, yeah. um, you can tap on them on the screen and you pop. Well, that's them instead of that's on completely again. destroys the game. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm just telling no, you. I don't, know. Features. <laughs> I don't know if it does. <laughs> I'm not sure, but that would actually change the the way so, certain levels played out, wouldn't it? But um, yeah. Yeah, mm. in a very minor way, I guess. Uh, and yeah, we should say there is also a Wii, wor- Wii version, which obviously uh, is in what we now call standard definition, um, but apparently it does look absolutely gorgeous as well. Obviously, in a face-off against the 1080p versions, it's not going to look as good, but uh, if you want to play it um, and you have a Wii, you can do that. Um, obviously, you know if you've got four Wii controllers, because that's what you play games with with your kids on or whatever then that could be the version to go for as well yeah it's on everything isn't it it's on Mm. uh i think 3ds and ds as well okay so yeah it's it's on aside from ios it's on pretty much Mm. every platform you can think of one last point to andy kurosaki's comment Mm. is i would just say a game i would compare it to in that um spirit is new super mario brothers wii that was very much a we're taking mario back to 2d uh, it's got even some of the same. I mean, it's it's only it's only sort of uh, offline co-op, and you've also got the the new sort of Nintendo um, help along. You know, we we'll play the game for you. Yeah. Option where if you die, you go into a bubble. Rayman doesn't have that. <laughs> Indeed, um, but you sit on the on the sofa next to someone and, and play it. So in terms of features, uh, you know, it's fairly comparable. More or I less, in terms of the style of game, it is, and and that game was certainly thirty pounds when it came out, and probably still is now because Nintendo don't tend to drop no, prices. No, it was, it was so forty. Um, 
Yeah. So mm. in in that respect, forty pounds to me doesn't seem ridiculous. No. The fact that it came down in price so quickly certainly undermines them pricing it so high in the first place. I would say. Um, but I I really didn't have a problem with hearing that it was £40, certainly not once I'd played it. Mm. So let's get into the, our assessment of its qualities uh, with uh, by concluding Andy Karasaki's forum post. He says, unquestionably one of the most fun platform games I've ever played, definitely on a par with New Super Mario Bros. It looks fantastic, the music is catchy, and it's so much fun to play. It certainly gets tricky by the end, especially on your own, but still you keep going as you get closer to success. I never got frustrated at dying, he says. Well, I definitely can't <laughs> say that's true for me uh, I guess he's just more chilled out dude than I am but um, yeah so we know that the critical response has been pretty positive lots of good word of mouth on podcasts uh, particular props to the audio visual side of things um, I'm actually going to use uh, another forum post to sort of illustrate or express my points shortly so um, one of you guys tell me tell me about your Rayman Origins experience um I really, really like it, um, but I don't love it. Um, mm-hmm. I think the art design, I think everyone on, on this podcast can agree, that the art design is kind of amazing and possibly one of the best-looking games I've ever played. I mean, I think it's going to go down in history, along with Wind Waker as one of those games that just doesn't age visually because the art style is just so appealing. Um, Can I cut in here uh, very okay. rudely, but just because this is a conversation that has come up, let's say the art, to most eyes, is you know highly accomplished, aesthetically very mm-hmm. pleasing. But I have had a conversation with uh, American writer Brad Galloway of the Game Critics podcast, who now you know their thing is to kind of hit on games that are otherwise well received but he genuinely even to the shock and horror of his fellow podcasters uh, said that he doesn't like the art on Rayman Origins because his problem with it is not that it's technically poor but that it has no consistency in that it's it's incoherent and and I do agree with him to a point like I think the game looks fantastic I think some of the the fire and water effects as well are absolutely stunning um, but there is this sort of thing which I actually had a problem with back in 1995 with the original Rayman is there's no sense that this is a real world that could exist, it's just a bunch of stuff and I'm going to counter that and say that's kind of why I like it Okay. Um, it feels just like um, somebody emptying their imagination into a game and just you know, experimenting with all sorts of different kind of funny little art styles um, like I think a great example of what you're talking about is like the music world with mm. all the birds, which just doesn't make sense as like a no. location. But just because it's so vi- for me, it was kind of visually appealing and um, interesting. I didn't care because as far as I was concerned, Rayman's not in a realistic world. He's kind of in somebody's brain uh, who happens to be slightly mad. And um, and I just found that really interesting. I, I'm actually caught between both of you on this one, strangely. Um, I, I think where a lot of my harking back... I mean, this game doesn't really have a story to be told. Um, yeah. it, it, it was always meant to... I mean, uh, uh, rumours mm. have been told that it was meant to be the prequel to the original The origin story, hence the name. Yeah, yeah. the origins. Mm. 
Um, and they, I think, probably as, as you were saying, Leon, I think the idea was that all these levels came out of someone's, someone's mind in the end and they just couldn't, well, contextualise it all together. So mm. in the end, they, they dumped the, pretty much the story all together and it's meant to be a, a sequel to Hoodland Havoc. Well, it's more like which, a retelling of the first game, if anything, isn't it? Um, but it's, yeah, the, the origin's name stuck, but it became more like a gameplay origins rather than a yeah it's more of a yeah, yes, harking back story to origins. versions of origins um, yes yeah. listeners will notice we didn't bother with a spoiler warning on this game and I, I, I think it actually does hurt the game a little um, because there is no context between stuff it, it does feel like you're just being shoved to one world to the next and having a little context of why you're there it, it wouldn't take much to, to kind of make you feel more of a part of the environment you, you've landed upon rather than just going through a door that opens and into the next world or mm. onto the, the it's got that you know, the map that you is just some you know you, you expect a, a 2D platforming game to have you know you move from one um, part of the map area to the next and you unlock once you get more lums you unlock the next area you can move on to so yeah I, I feel like the, the lack of story does have a little bit of a negative impact on this game but then again I also agree with um, Josh is that because it, it's allowed to have that imaginativity, <laughs> it can use its imagination. Mm. Um, it it it's a little more unexpected than I expect, more unexpected than I expected to be, and that's a terrible sentence. But there's a lot going on that you you don't expect from a game like this, and I think the two D aspect and and the hand drawing stuff lends itself to that. But I actually don't think the game itself. Um, Artistically, even in, and I have plenty to say about the gameplay, but artistically, I don't think the Starlings really start to show their colours until you're about halfway through the game, um, um, because they had they can do a lot more. I think they once once the difficulty level comes up, they can do a lot more of the environments. Mm. So it's I think it's a bit of a mixed bag. I, I, I appreciate it, I appreciate it for what it looks like, um, but at the same time, I don't think it, it's as perfect as everyone's made it out to be. That's terrible sentences all in that. <laughs> it's all good, it's all good. James? Yeah, it's it's a bit weird. I feel like I've got a, almost a different perspective again because I heard a lot of people saying that, you know, the story wasn't there or didn't make sense or I happen to know because I'd glanced in the front of it that it tells you a little bit about some background for each character in the manual. Yeah, read the fucking manual in a platform game. Who knew? It, it, it's ridiculous and it kind of makes no odds because I didn't read it until afterwards. I'd glanced at it but I thought, you know what? don't care, I just want to see what this game's all about. And I felt like I understood what was going on. I mean, Rayman and his cohorts are in a tree at the beginning of the game. Their snoring builds up into this sort of cacophony, but it's rhythmical, it's in a song. Uh, in that sort of way where you've seen any song build up from, say, the dropping of water on a tin can or something, mm. and it builds up sort of uh, layer on layer to form this song that it turns out has awoken and disturbed these pseudo-malevolent forces underneath the tree and then one of them decides to capture the nymphs who run all the different areas of the world um, and um, Rayman is tasked with going and freeing them by gathering lums and therefore collecting electrons. I've just learned it's from not the manual terribly that lums are pronounced looms. Looms, yes, because yeah. <laughs> it's to do with light, isn't it? From illumination, it's... Um, is what where that comes from yeah um but yeah it, okay it's not a coherent story it's not going to win any awards for narrative but it set up the game and i thought right okay go through the first level you free one of the nymphs who says that this world needs to be 
freed and all right it's all done in pig latin and you know you're never really explicitly told anything but i felt it kind of made a fairly good job of putting some context around what you were doing enough just to excuse the fact that you were then going to run through all these levels and do it anyway um Um, and to be fair couldn't you say that the whole story not making sense and being totally inconsistent could be leveled at every single mario game ever made yes oh yes I think I'm coming from a slightly different place because there, there's actually full stories to be found in Rayman two and three. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's it's you know I guess the easiest comparison would be I mean I haven't played a, a um, well Jack and Daxter for instance. I mean, yeah, there's lots of platforms, lots of collecting in that game, but there is a, a narrative that runs through the entirety of that sister mm. that franchise. So suddenly to have a game that doesn't have a narrative as such run through it, other than bare bones basic. It's strange for me then to come to that, which is okay. Yeah. Well, I was, you know, these characters actually, believe it or not, Rayman has some charm to himself. Glowbox. I mean, did you know who Glowbox no. is? Um, the exactly. Big blue yeah. guy with the white no. smile. Yeah. You know, but you don't know that he's a cowardly character. That yeah. he, in in, in mm. two and three, that he hides all over the place. In fact, that you always end up rescuing him. And there's a reason he's you know he's kind of that mm. big and, mm. and large, and he has his own special power, powers, which is a rain, rain cloud, which um, basically short circuits. It's electric in in the other two games. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Like, did you know who the small uh, guys were? It's no. it's. Well, I mean, there's a whole... You have all these characters on that screen, and, and the, a lot of the point of the game is you have to unlock all this stuff, or you, when you collect more of the lums, you get to unlock certain characters. Plenty of characters who all play the same, even though they look very different, yes. which is weird. Yeah. They do, um, but if, yeah. to me, it made sense who they were and why I was unlocking yes. them and why the, the later ones were coming on because they were Because you know your you Rayman know. lore. I know my Rayman, but <laughs> there was nothing in that in, in Rayman Origins. It was just basically, yeah. if you didn't know this, this was your first game, it was like, well... Who the, is this the thing guy is that and what does he you know do? to ninety nine percent of players, uh, it really doesn't matter a shit, and they will never read. I've just you know, there are five pages of sort of sort mm. of exposition in the manual, which is more than you get in a lot of far more serious, weighty games. But it does, as James says, it does at least give you the concept of who all these characters and creatures are, why they all yeah. coexist. But you know what what you were saying, Josh, about Mario, I would argue that there is more consistency within that fantasy world as in it does all feel like it's part of some bizarre coherent whole whereas Rayman's world to me does feel like a whole bunch of ideas that have been made up over a very long period and just kind of thrown together yeah but it, it is I mean the world is based the, the story here for, for people that know Rayman it is a man that smokes a pipe called the Bubble Dreamer and out of his pipe of these bubbles basically Rayman world is created and all the different facets of that so it's within his own mind his own dream it's almost a continue with uh, Alice in this point mm. um, so yeah there, there is a fantasyful element to it anyway yeah. but uh, to, they, they don't explore that at all in Origins and yeah. I maybe to Josh's point maybe they don't need to um, it's a very different game than those other games are um, and you know if it harken back to the first Rayman game that doesn't really have much of a story itself either so yeah. You get your abilities off uh, the nymph, nymph uh, women, ladies. Um, that was true in Rayman One. Only there was only one nymph at that point, Batilla. Uh, now mm-hmm. there are lots of nymphs. I don't know whether they they were all just added for this game or whether they've been added them one by one. Um, it doesn't really explain why they grant you abilities, why they just don't let you have all your abilities from the start. Um, but again, none of this stuff matters if the game plays well, really. Not so much. Yeah, I think I think that's the strange thing is I 
sort of just took on face value that this was sort of a dream world dreamt up in the old guy in the tree um, and therefore it kind of didn't matter if there was a story there. Now obviously that's much to the annoyance of Tony because he knows that there is a story here <laughs> and, and I was blissfully unaware to all that when I was playing through. But just on the, the design I would say that on the basis that I thought this was all a dream, I was willing, or in a dream world if you like, mm. I was kind of willing to give it a bit of a pass in terms of any coherence and why this is here because we've all had dreams and the the beauty of dreams is that once you wake up you realize that it's all ridiculous and doesn't really fit together and didn't really make sense and that's kind of how I felt about this that said when I talk about the art it's more the way it looks on screen in terms of how crisp and how uh, mm. vibrant yeah. and just the way it appears not necessarily any coherence because I agree it doesn't really make much sense. It doesn't really give you an impression that this is even a dream world that someone has dreamt up. It just looks incredible yeah, it does. to me. J just th in terms of graphical fidelity, in terms of whether or not I like the art that someone's designed, the way it looks on screen is just... Yeah, agreed. Unbelievable. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, and I think that's where a lot of people are finding the love for the look of the game. is mm. it, Because it's this whole hand-drawn... HD styling hasn't really been used too often. We've been talking about games that look like cartoons for a long time, probably since the 16-bit era, maybe even the 8-bit era, but this really does uh, look like a high-quality, you know, 2D cell-drawn yeah. cell cartoon of, you know, of a, you know, a Disney or Don Bluth Studios or something like that. Mm -hmm. Maybe better in some aspects. So let's talk about the uh, very quickly about the structure of the game. So um, each level is designed to be replayable several times um, because there are different things you need to achieve to unlock different electoons. So you have an overall score which is based on the number of looms you collect. Um, there's pretty much an optimum path through every level which is arguably the most fun to get. But there's also a speed run you can do for a uh, for another loom and uh, sorry another electune, um, and there's also a trophy and those times for the uh, speed run trophies are crazy, aren't they? Most of them. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I I didn't I managed to get a few of them. Okay. So uh, I they I are hard, I but I don't uh, I don't think they're as bad as um, some games I've played in the past. Okay. Um, I yeah. Well. Without context of what we're going to talk about the game, I just, the problem is that I don't find them that enjoyable. Mm. Um, I'm much I, I enjoyed going out my way to collect all the collectibles in this game to to get um, mm. you know the most lichens. Um but I never found finding the absolute optimum path time and time again. I mean, it, it kind of it, it broke the the game environment for me a little bit when you could see that yeah you had to go this way this way this way this way and cut half a level off and it's it's nice that you can do it don't get me wrong but at the same time it's not why I went to Rayman Origins uh, to do speedruns for this game that but, yeah. that's really weird because um, that's the exact reason why I like this game and in fact <laughs> um, speedruns well not speedruns necessarily but like finding the perfect like combination of jumps to quickly mm. get through well, a that's level. what the looms are there to illustrate to you yeah aren't they I mean they 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 are like the rings in a sonic game in that they actually guide you to, through the optimum path mm-hmm uh, and 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 it's normally, as I say, it's the most fun path. The speed run is different to the loom collecting path, though, isn't it? Yeah, I, I was just going to say 
possibly my favourite part of the game uh, because of that is the chasing the chest stuff. Well, that's different again because those levels are entirely designed around you being in complete control of your character. But I think all the levels are designed to be uh, playable in each of the way. I think that's one of the great things about the game. Like, I have some other reservations which I haven't mentioned yet. But I think that's the exact thing, that the levels are designed both to be collectible, levels that you collect in, levels that you rush through. Yeah, there's and there's just a simple pro you can simply, you know, play through just to get to the end. So there's kind of three ways of playing each stage. And there are a lot of stages, there are a lot of different levels and subsections. I think that's quite impressive. Yeah, if I could, I think I'd probably end up trying to resolve what Tony and Josh just said, because... I started play so I played through the game and collected as many uh, looms as I could to get all the electons. Didn't worry too much about speed, and then went back through to do some of the the trophies. And what I found was when I went into a level, if it took me two or three tries where I could see where the path to get quicker was, that was great because you got close, then you got the the electon for doing it quickly, and then you knew how you could get the speed trophy. So you went and did that. If you get to a level where it takes you more than three tries and you can't mm-hmm. see how to do it quickly, it gets very frustrating very quickly. Yeah, there is a certain Di- amount of dying starts getting very frustrating because you don't just start again. You go straight. You don't just start from where you were. You go straight back yeah. to the beginning because obviously you've lost time. There's a certain amount of trial and error, and that's why I did actually go back to some of the tricky treasures, which are what you need to collect all of. There are two on each world. Yeah, the chests. Um, yeah. The chests to uh, unlock the the f- true final stage. So. Uh, I haven't. I've seen the end credits, but I haven't seen the the real ending. The the, the good land ending. of the livid dead. The land of the yeah. livid dead uh, is unlocked by a series of uh, these tricky treasures, which are sort of, Ten of them, uh, yeah. perfectly. You have to uh, do a perfect speed run through a particularly designed level. Um, going back, having done the final level of the normal game, the reveal, which is the same thing only you're chasing after a bad guy rather than a treasure uh, and that took me a lot of lives and a lot of frustration going back to the treasures don't seem quite so bad now because I've done one that's yep. harder and uh, and longer I would I would suggest but they're still not the kind of gameplay that I particularly enjoy trial and you know just keep keep trying and and you know until there are bits that you things that you can't see coming um, I'd be yeah. I'd be interested to know how how you felt about this, Josh, because I think I'm of a mind with Tony. Where when we were going through this, uh, what would it have been early January, end of December, we mm-hmm. were talking about it on Twitter, and, and the way I put it is, when I got the Mile High Club achievement for Call of Duty Four, which is going through the final Mile High Club um, level uh, on veteran difficulty, so you get like. Is it a minute, 20 seconds, a minute, maybe flat, to do this level where two shots will take you down and simply just missing one shot on an enemy will cause you to have to restart because you know you're not going to do it in time. I put a day aside and went through that. I must have played that level a hundred times, easily if not more, before I got it and got the achievement and finished the last achievement I had to do on that game. And it it felt like that for me playing this game even on the more difficult levels I never felt like dying whether it be on speed runs up until I came stuck doing some of them or just on completing some of the tricky treasures and the the final level I never felt like it was frustrating because it put me straight back 
you know, immediately before where I died, give or take, and I always knew what I needed to do to beat it. Whereas that's obviously not how you felt, Leon. So I just wondered, Josh, how how you felt when you were playing it, if that strikes a chord with you, or if you're more of a mind with Leon, where it got frustrating too quickly. Um, I'm not. I'm not so bothered by um, trial and error gameplay because um, I feel like it's a puzzle that you have to figure out really quickly, and you kind of piece together uh, inch by inch and and try and figure it out. Um, I. I wasn't overly frustrated um, by the uh, last few levels of um, Rayman, but I did get the sense that after a while the controls weren't good enough for the kind of obstacles that it was demanding you to do. Which was, and I promised myself I wouldn't bring this game up. Well, you have to bring Meat Boy. I I have to. Um, Super Meat Boy does everything in its pack, despite being like 10 times harder than Rayman Origin. Although some of those later levels did remind me, with with all the saw blades and everything everywhere, I did think this is actually, we're heading into Meat Boy territory here. Yeah, and and to the game's detriment, to be honest, because it's like putting a toddler against Mike Tyson. Um, It, the. The controls in Super Meat Boy f- feel so precise. Uh, uh, the level design is there's always a way to get past it, and there's always like perfect ti- a way of getting the timing right so you get it perfect. And you can always see the obstacles that are about to, to come towards you. You're never blinded. You don't. You never not see them coming. You can always see them. And also, the levels only like take thirty seconds to complete. So the fact that you have to start all the way from the beginning again doesn't frustrate uh, frustrate you nearly as much. Yeah. Um, and Rayman just kind of feels like I'm trying to be as good as a game like that, but, but I'm not quite hitting the mark. And because of that, and it's kind of it kind of feels like you know once you've drived a Ferrari, every other car feels shit. Um, I don't know. It's just well, I, I, yeah. I've I've wanted to say this since the minute I started playing this game, and I did really like it. But it feels just like a Dave Perry platformer from the 16-bit days. It feels like Cool Spot. It feels like Earthworm Jim. Feels like Mick and Mac Global Gladiators. Feels like Disney's Aladdin, the Mega Drive one, not the Capcom SNES one. It's got that sort of where animation is more important than your ability to judge your pixel perfect jumps these are things you would never see in a mario game for instance even though mario's got his ridiculous inertia you always feel like you're in complete control with a little practice maybe um and that's the difference that's why that i have sat there for hours and hours trying to get the, do those ridiculously hard uh secret star world levels on super mario world and c- found every exit and even in in 3D Mario games where I've just keep trying those bits because the control feels perfect and Rayman feels a bit loose and a bit sloppy and it makes those tricky levels just just that little bit too frustrating to be fun I've heard this argument time and time again um, and I've only played the trial of Super Meat Boy and there's a reason I've only played the trial of Super Meat Boy I actually don't find it that charming Um, apart from it being pure platforming I don't find the rest of the world where he's going through. You know, it, it's 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 cute. It's it's kind of 
you know, it, I guess it does have a certain amount of charm to it, but it doesn't do anything for me. It's just a, it, it feels like a block that you're moving around the screen. I think there's an element of Rayman where they have to let a little bit of that go to add a bit more to it, to add this colourful world to, you know, there is animation to it. Super Meat Boy has a bit of what has basically blood coming out of his bum as you're moving around the level. I'm not saying Super Meat Boy is a bad game. It's it's certainly not. It's And I, I even understand the argument that it's the pinnacle of platforming. But it's a pinnacle of platforming with some um, reservations because Were of Are you that. saying that Rayman would be inferior if he controlled better? No, but I, <laughs> I think at that point, no, at that point you'd have sacrifices in, in the way that Rayman looks. Good. And that's already something Good. that we Gameplay should in. always come first. Well, you <laughs> maybe, possibly. And, and but how many Miyamoto and Nintendo have been managing it for But see, I don't century. believe he, he's that sloppy. I mean, yes... You haven't managed to get through the end. Um, I think you did. You do all this, the treasures, Josh? Uh, no, not yet. But um, where both James and me have done, and I, to me, it, it feels like Rayman. There is there's timing involved. There's patience, but most importantly, there's a touch of skill. And what you, you have ha- to just whoa, hold on. Well, like, you you have to kind of just get. I, I, I'm not going to say. I've completed harder games, but they've been more fun. That's the point. But here's the thing: I never felt persecuted by Rayman himself. I felt that I wasn't quite doing exactly what I should be doing within the level. I was jumping slightly at the wrong time. Now it's not pixel perfect as say Super Meat Boy in the same way that certain fighters aren't pixel perfect comparative to Super Street Fighter 4 but it doesn't make them then inherently bad games it just means there's a slightly different technique to actually control them I, so, I, I will say that I don't think Rayman controls terribly I think it controls oh no, 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 perfectly no. functionally and uh, I do kind of agree that the art style and the and the soundtrack, which I'm sure we'll go on to later, um, all make the game kind of more aesthetically please, uh, pleasing, maybe, than uh, Meat Boy. But just the amount of time I spent with Meat Boy and the amount of time I spent with Rayman, I felt like I got more out of my experience as Super Meat Boy simply because I felt like I was experiencing a masterclass in game design, whereas with Rayman it just feels like a pretty well game, a pretty well-made game that mm. looks impeccable. Yeah, and if I, I may, I'd like to quickly try and take on a challenge that may be even harder than Super Meat Boy and resolve, Leon, <laughs> your position with Tony's. Because I come at this, I played Mario on Game Boy and, and enjoyed it, but was never terribly accomplished at the game. N- can't remember completing it. I honestly don't know if I did or not. Um, but I never felt uh, timing, I'm not terribly good with it on games, rock band, I'm horrible at. And so I, I equate that experience to what is my only other sort of vivid memory of a platformer more recently, which is Splosion Man. I, I mean, Splosion Man has times that are par times for the levels that are maybe like three minutes. Um, I remember taking 14 minutes on some of those levels, trying the single sections of jumps over and over yeah. and over and over. I, I, I hate like I the way Splosion Man feels way more than I hate the way Rayman yeah, feels. Yeah, so... so um, You'd have a couple of rooms in succession, Explosion Man, and I I could do each individual part fine, but I could never do them all together, so I would inevitably end up back at the checkpoint. Um, Maybe I I wonder if the issue isn't, because when I came on to um, Rayman, 
I felt that was taken away and that sort of frustration was completely taken away because I felt more in control of Rayman than Explosion Man but I also felt that the way it checkpointed didn't punish me as much for a single mistake out of 10 or 12 perfect sort of sequence jumps Um, I, I wonder if the difficulty here is that with something like Super Meat Boy it seems like it breaks the game up so that you never feel like you are failing all the time. You you always feel like you've got a perfect run through the level to complete it. Whereas with Rayman, even by the end levels, you feel like you're doing two steps perfectly and then failing one, but you still manage to progress forward. And so it maybe doesn't feel like it flows as well mm. as something like Super Meat Boy. What I would say is, for someone like me, who I would consider myself fairly horrible at platformers, the very fact that I could get through the tougher levels in this game and okay I haven't done all the the time challenges but I've got to the end the sort of second end Mm. of the game through those tricky treasures and the final level it might not have been pretty in terms of my gameplay the game (laughs) certainly was Um, it might not have ever shown me to be a particularly decent player of platformers but the fact I could get through it is a testament and I think possibly that's what Tony feels as well to the fact that it makes you feel like you are good at platformers. And it's really, really interesting that um, Josh and certainly you, Leon, kind of feel like it makes a mockery of your ability as a as A, a little a bit, of yeah. I mean, I would say, you know... It's I've, really odd. I, I, am, I am a decent platform player. I'm certainly not world-class, but I have completed a lot of Japanese platformers in particular going way back and uh, even early British ones, which were particularly punishing mm. <laughs> in the 8-bit days. And uh, you know, I'm this. People can only take my word for this, and and it's. I'm trying not to make it sound like I'm just epine waving, but I genuinely believe I could complete these tricky treasures if I sit down in the right mood, chill myself out, turn the fucking music off so it doesn't keep doing the same start over and over <laughs> and over again. Listen to a podcast. I'm sure I can get through those. As I say, I did two earlier today, without too much trouble. Um, whereas at first I was. I think it's also that thing where I was playing through the rest of the game quite quickly um, and then you go to these levels where you keep seeing the same bit over and over again Um, that was annoying in itself whereas maybe if I went back to them as I did earlier today and did some more it wouldn't be quite so painful Um, but uh, but saying that as I say this is not this is not me saying this game is terrible I think it's an excellent platformer one of the best 2D platformers around however um, it's just these bits which it it could have been that little bit better if Rayman just controlled just that little bit more precisely. Um, I don't. I think from what we're talking about, it, if you were listening to this and you you didn't know necessarily about how this game played, it, it, this sounds terrifying. That oh my god, <laughs> it, it gets so hard, and, and really it's not. No, um, no, no, there's no. much there's much to be talked about how the progression through this game is actually it's it's I actually think it's a bit too easy um, for a, a good six hours. The game takes what about twelve hours to complete, if I remember rightly, um, just through the main story. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be quite short, but then you open up the second half of each world. Yeah. Uh, it looks like you're kind of racing through to the end, and then suddenly you have to go back to each world that you've already been to, and there's an end boss. And I think this, the first six hours are actually really quite simple. There's a few little tricky bits in there, but nothing that really should tax anybody of a competent um, gaming skill. Uh, and obviously there's co-op and you're going through it, and it, that all works fine. Um, and then once you get to the, the second part of the world, the level um, 
picks up gracefully, I think, uh, and slowly gets harder and harder until the, the back end of the game. What we've been kind of talking about now are the the extra bonus challenges to get to the the, the final extra stage, which is um, at that point it, it's a, a mark of your skill of uh, managing to get through all the rest of the game, and they kind of give this just ridiculously hard final level, which took me about two hours to complete, just on mm. r- uh, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, just getting through bit by bit, um, which I'd actually found quite fun rather than frustrating. But um, so I, I wouldn't be scared by by some of the stuff no, we're talking no. about because it, it's it's you know you, that a lot of that stuff is actually optional. Um, yeah, absolutely, and, and there are different ways to play the game, and you can just kind of progress your way through without. You don't need to get that many electoons. You know, there's all these hidden doors and stuff. They're quite easy to find and often quite easy to do. So if you can't be bothered or you haven't got the skill to get the electoon for a particular level. Uh, for collecting all the looms or the maximum amount of looms possible there's normally a secret door where you can or two where you can go and get a couple of electoons quite easily and they'll be enough to allow you to progress through the game hmm. uh, um, Am I right in saying there? I, I never came across and, and I ended up in a Twitter conversation about this because uh, a podcast that will go unnamed made the claim that um, you have to go hunting down the collectibles in order to complete the game I don't think you do No, no is there actually a barrier in terms of number of electrons for, for going from one world to the next? I think there is. Those those levels that bridge... The, the levels with no baddies on that are just pure loom-collecting fun. I think you have to have mm. a certain amount of electrons to get those open. But Yeah, but I they're don't really it's a, lenient. Yeah. It is. It's they must really, be really, really lenient, because I never saw yeah. that at all. It, it never yeah. did, did I see any kind yeah, of block exactly. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only the only thing that I needed a number of electoons for was to open up the tricky treasures, mm. which often you have to go halfway through the following world and then go back yeah. to the previous one or something. Mm-hmm. You know, but even then, just finding the hidden rooms and cages is enough to do that. More than enough, uh, yeah. and and that's yeah. those are not particularly difficult. There, once you've got your eye in for looking where the secrets are, that's that's actually I had a really good fun time going back mm. through the worlds and collecting the hidden ones without n- no guide or anything, just using yeah. using my eyes and ears. And once you realise that, yeah, exactly that. One, you don't have to get terribly close to them before you hear hear the the looms calling out to you. Yeah. And and it was halfway through the game before I realised that was happening. But once I did, I never. I don't think I missed a, a hidden room at all. Yeah, that all harkens back to the the older games in the franchise. Yeah, um, the, the I was stuff. sorry, Tony. Okay. I was actually going to use uh, this comment from the forum as my sort of opening gambit, but I think I'll instead, because he, he sums it up for me so eloquently, I'll use it as my summary, um, by and large. Um, Love You Sumeric says, I love this game except for the parts I hated. The controls aren't as precise and consistent as something like Super Meat Boy. Though it isn't a problem for about 90% of the game, However, when things started to get really demanding towards the end, I began to have some issues. It felt to me at times like I was dying because of the controls and not because of a lack of skill, although I th- certainly do lack skill. This led me to becoming more frustrated with the game, more frustrated with a game than I have in recent memory, and recent memory includes about 150 hours of Dark Souls. To use Super Meat Boy as an example, again, as many times as I died in that game, there was not one time that I didn't know exactly what I'd done to cause my death. There were times that I died in Rayman Origins when I wasn't even sure what happened or what I could have done to avoid it. Also, I felt that some levels, especially chases and boss fights, required an uncomfortable amount of trial and error. There are times that you're almost guaranteed to die if you don't know what to do in advance. Obviously this isn't accidental, but it's a designed design decision that I don't especially care for. These are the only real complaints I have. There is nothing that would keep me from recommending this game. 
from a presentation standpoint it's as polished a game as I've ever seen I personally think that it's the best looking game out there full stop from an art and design standpoint it is without parallel the animation is amazing and the amount of detail in the character and level designs is shocking the game sounds as good as it looks having one of the most memorable soundtracks ever made there is a ton of high quality content in this game and it's worth paying full price for so yeah that love you Sumeric there thank you that 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 is my summary as well um i think we need to talk about the soundtrack i think the the this soundtrack was the second best soundtrack of last year bastion being my favorite yes um i just really like it sounds like a small little thing but i just really like how they integrated the soundtrack with what was going on in the environment around you like for example in the one of the early music uh, theme levels the birds would honk in time with the music that was playing in the background and i just found that ad- just incredibly adorable i don't know why just these little dumb looking toucan creatures going in time of the music just uh, Got uh, got to me. Similarly, and also, I, I like the, uh, the the transition from in the food world, the hot to cold, where it goes from the sort of uh, you know icy, chimey sounding music, and then as soon as you plunge into the to the depths, you get all this sort of calypso and stuff. Yeah, and also the we, we yeah the singing fish are absolutely <laughs> incredible, possibly the greatest happen. thing ever created uh, by mankind. Are the um, fish singing? I, is it them? Yeah, they are singing. I, I choose to believe that it's the fish <laughs> singing, regardless of the fact that they are not well, moving their mouths. I just, we shall edit, just, edit the, fish in, the singing fish here so people can decide themselves. singing fish or not well they are definitely something singing underwater there are some great tunes and a, a real wide variety of styles as well um, different genres of music covered so yeah credit as we like to do to Christophe Eral uh, at uh, and Billy Martin um, for yeah it's an amazing soundtrack yeah yeah I think we've hinted uh, on the the um, Bastion show that 2011 I think we could we could probably agree to leave aside whether or not it was a fantastic or good or or wonderful game year for games Mm. but for soundtracks it is it is quite astounding even uh, last week's game Alice Madner's Turns had a pretty incredible soundtrack but Mm. it's not on anyone's lips as as one of the best of, of last year and Rayman is right up there as far as I'm concerned um, as far as that's a soundtrack I could quite happily put on and listen to irrespective of the fact it came from a game that I've played or any memories I have of that game uh, just to listen to the music it's got so much character in the music that it just brings out and evokes it's quite heavily inspired by the Loco Roco soundtrack but that's mm. not a bad thing <laughs> <laughs> 
no, really, really good soundtrack, I thought. Um, strangely, I'm probably going to be the opposite of Love You, Sumeric. Um, I actually think the game's a very competent game uh, for the first half. It's 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 charming. It's everything. I, I was kind of like, oh, this is nice, and but it, it lacked a certain something for me. And it wasn't until I got to the second half where I actually feel like the development team had the freedom. Uh, you know, if we're talking about where this actually come from, maybe as a a game that was developed in sections to be released as sections. I feel like once you're p- past the first era, the first six hours, that this was going to be the sections where they were allowed to actually create what they won't wanted to create rather than to give it to the masses. Um, whether you know you can agree that it's Super Meat Boy controls or not, I thoroughly enjoyed my uh, my time of being challenged by these levels, um, and that's not just in in the the platforming um, for the sake of platforming. I think there's a lot more creativity that goes in within the environments because they're allowed to mess around, such as the saw blades, which you don't see up until later in the game. Um, there's a lot of more you know, artistic flourishes that they they express, and because once you can climb up walls, once you've learned that ability to actually race up walls. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the game actually comes alive in that second half and I would actually equate it to rather than the Super Meat Boy I'd put it against something like Trials HD where um, I got off on the um, the extreme levels where I know a load of people absolutely hated the extreme levels on mm-hmm. Trials HD yeah. but the trial and error nature I just fell in love with and yeah. sure can Rayman control better Look, I think he, of course he can um, I have played Super Meat Boy I know he can control better but I think there's certain concessions they make to make that game look the way it does and it was never enough to make me utterly frustrated with the experience so I mean I I said it was one of my top games of last year Mm. and I stick by that I I don't think it's a modern masterpiece I don't think it it beats all the Mario games out there as some people have said on on different reviews but um, (laughs) well you I mean I I enjoyed it more than um, the New Super Mario World, for instance, I, I thought it was more charming, and actually found the the, the difficulty, you know, more interesting. So I, it's hard to. I mean, I think if you're just coming in as a platforming game, there's plenty in here for you. There. If you're coming in this as a game like Super Meat Boy, where you kind of want to be challenged, I think there's also equal parts there. If you're after the sadistic side of stuff, then try to get the hundred percent in this game because. Yeah. Boy, there's some there's some difficult parts, but don't let that put you off because there's so much charm in this game and. I think the reason it probably ended up hitting my my top five of the year was because I've played so many shooters, I've played so many action adventure games, and strangely, which I hadn't realised at the time, I was actually really needing a good old fashioned two D platforming game. Yeah, I was was just about to say like there are a lot of um, you know in terms of the design of the platforms, the things you're running on, whether it be you know whether they're being shot up in the air or swung or pivoting platforms or slide you know slippy slidey bit mm-hmm. or whatever these are all there's nothing in there that you've never seen before yep exactly. i think like every different kind of platform has been done in the last 30 years of platforming games you know since donkey kong and and whatever else um so it's very hard like i wouldn't blame a developer any more than i would for making a fighting game with brawlers fighting each other to come up with actual new ideas of platforms you've you've got to go for a full high concept thing like fez or something like that but Mm -hmm. what this does is manages to reincorporate all of those in a in a way that feels fun and fresh somehow Um, yeah partly because we haven't been oversaturated like we were in the 16-bit days with platformers um actually one thing that we haven't mentioned at all are the since the start anyway are the shooter levels um did anyone have any particularly strong feelings either way about those not really. Uh, plenty of fun playing them. 
yeah. uh, broke up some of the platforming. It seemed like a bit of an easy level to get a lot of the uh, electrons on and rack up some points, if you like. Um, That's what I was interested in, because I'm probably a, I don't know, maybe a slightly better shooter player than I'm a platform player, yeah. certainly as experienced or as old, in other words. Um, but I, I really enjoyed the shoot levels, because although they're not, you know, they don't play as well as a dedicated shooter no. they're pretty close and mm. they there's loads and loads of nods in terms of uh the way the environment um closes in on you and stuff there's lots of little references to old shooters from the sort of golden age of the 80s and 90s so uh mm. i actually thought those were fun and yeah i was when i saw that the final normal level was a shooter level i was actually quite delighted because i knew it wouldn't take me you know 8000 attempts to do it like it had mm. the previous platform level so I was I was into that, and also some of the music with the mosquito uh, humming on it is hilarious. But um, having th think about thought about this, like, you would argue something like Super Meat Boy. I, I think is instantaneously hardcore from the onset. You got the first like three or four. This is tutorial levels, and then it's kind of batshit crazy there and in for the next six hours, um, which I can I, see why you fall in love with. Uh, I I I disagree with that. Um, I would say that the first um, world of Super Meat Boy is nothing harder than you'd see in Rayman Origins. No. Um, I I think part of the reason why I like that game as much as I do is it actually does a really good job of building the difficulty up so you never feel like there's a, just a sudden whoop, it's gotten really hard all of a sudden. Um, which I did actually feel with Rayman Origins. Some of the, the levels just fights. went Somehow. really hard out of nowhere, and then it was easy again. But uh, yeah, yeah, I guess I, I talked about the soundtrack, didn't I? I think for me it was just a really pleasant surprise to find uh, two platformers last year, if you include Kirby, um, mm. that really turned me around on the genre. I, I just figured that um, a bit like rhythm action games, I just didn't have the chops for this sort of game. And to be able to go through this and do a level that not only did I find quite tough by the time you get to the very last uh, level, the the livid boss, um, but also that I knew other people were finding difficult and enjoy it. I I never really got frustrated with um, any sort of trial and error aspects because I felt like, and I seem to make apologies for lots of games by saying they're like puzzle games, but it felt like a bit of a puzzle. It always felt like, okay, that's not the right way to do this. I'll try something different. Yeah. And it felt like I was working it out rather than being punished mm -hmm. for doing it quote-unquote well, wrong. The, so The saving grace to the entirety of this game, if it didn't have the checkpoint system it has and it didn't have the absolutely instant restart of Super Meat Boy, where you die and within one and a half seconds, maybe less, you're back in that world, back at the checkpoint. Yeah. Um, then it would be very, very frustrating. But they don't. They run with that system, and it's probably the saving grace of this game. Yeah. One thing that uh, I did promise we'd mention um, that there is a, a quite an oversight that something that they could patch in is that there really should be something telling you the uh, loom loom target before you start a level <laughs> before for to unlock your electoons it's a it's a, yeah. it's a bit bizarre that because you you don't find out until the end or you know having completed a level what you're actually after yeah. uh, that seems a bit crazy that that's not in there um, and the other thing is that I thought this game really could have talking of uh, trials and thinking about that and, and also geometry wars I think this could have actually done with uh, especially on the speed runs uh, sort of friends leaderboard pop-up stuff yeah. sort of and multiplayer live, as well live tracking should have yeah. 
It should have had uh, uh, multiplayer, online multiplayer. Mm. Yeah, mm. Uh, and we know that downloadable or retail that can be done quite yeah. easily on, on both Sony, uh, PlayStation, and uh, Xbox. So, yeah, th- there's some touches there that should have been put in that that it's a bit of a glaring omission that they weren't. Um, just to touch on that, I w- I was convinced when I got to the end of the the game that because I heard um, Darren, our esteemed editor, uh, talking about. Um, Th- that very fact, Leon, that you mentioned that you didn't know the totals beforehand mm. and I was sure that for each type of level so for the shooter levels and for the the platforming levels there were different but fixed totals, it was only when I went back no. I realised they are very similar for most of them, for most of them it is um, 150, 250 uh, and then 300 or something like that, mm-hmm. for most of them it, it's they are very similar, but there are odd ones here and there that do fall outside of that, and you've no way of knowing till you finish. So, yeah, there's just some stuff like that where it would have been just that extra layer of of sort of insight into what players are going to want would have been useful. Mm. And to get um, those, yeah, to get those top loon targets is is quite a yes. challenge. And uh, yeah, if you've missed out early, you really want to know because you don't want to complete, carry on completing the level. Yeah. Uh, targets even within sections just to tell you exactly how well, many there are might, might the, not have been unfair the, the general rule I always obey by that was that you collect everything you see yes. and you have to do all the spe- all the, the hidden cages and you basically well every single area every single hidden s- section you, you collect the looms then you're normally 99% sure you're going to finish level with enough yeah. but even then there's, there's some timing aspects to whether because you can get double power ups and how many you actually get within those double power ups uh, periods so there is a bit of variation but it's it's not overly hard to get 250 on each level mm. Mm. Um, yeah it was quite interesting that uh, looking back at the that Rayman 4 video that we talked about an hour ago or so uh, the, the disco sequence that's kind of <laughs> stayed in mm-hmm. through through you know six years later five five years later. Um, I don't know if is that a Rayman thing kind of. Yeah, disc- the, the dancing is a Rayman. Thing. Okay, so it's uh, it was going to be in there, whatever. But uh, mm. okay, um, let's uh, wrap up with Horace goes skiing's forum post. He says charming with great audio and visuals. However, it outstayed its welcome for me, and some of the final levels were extremely frustrating. So I think you can tell from our appraisal. Uh, uh, both us Kane and Rinses and, and the forum posters that it is going to come down to your patience and, and whether how much you enjoy a certain amount of trial and error and failing over and over again but if you're if you're cool with that if you can stay cool and it doesn't bother you this is a really really good game so. three word reviews Tony yes uh, Fordish UK best game soundtrack if, there, if this was a four that it could be ever but you know, it's best sound game soundtrack Dastardly Jarbly. Beautiful, quirky, fun. Spatial 101 of Console Arcade. Excellent website. Nymph Upskirt Shocker. And uh, Al Blurb. Retro Modern Delight. ZX Spectrum 16K. Zany Fun Fill Gem. He's put a hyphen between fun and fill, <laughs> so we'll let him get away with that. Zany Fun Gem. Uh, Ellis Spice. Beautiful 2D platformer. Ryan Astley uh, initially came in with a barrage, uh, one of which was French as fuck. Uh, <laughs> there was a time when French games were known for beer, especially in the uh, 16-bit days, where nearly all French games were absolutely insane, which you know, didn't necessarily tally. But uh, he then came back with refreshing, nostalgic masterpiece. And uh, mm-hmm. Alpha Kenny won. 
it looks pretty. Can't argue with that. Yeah, just to touch on that, I think last year was a year where with Skyrim and Battlefield, people were expecting to be blown away by um, some really sort of uh, realistic, high-quality graphics, but this game just proved for me that going for a really good animated cartoonish uh, art style does so much for making a game look good beyond any uh, ability of any sort of realistic shooter or, or first person Quite game. right and of course I think you know the, the level of technology we're at with the consoles at the moment yeah. they're probably better at doing this kind of thing a stylized mm -hmm. an art style rather than realism even though you yeah. know we're approaching ever ever approaching photorealism we're nowhere near it and yeah. you can make a stunning looking cartoon game clearly well yeah. if if this comes from the first project from Umi's framework new framework mm. system then you know yeah. <laughs> i'm looking forward to what else when you know given maybe uh, strangely the confined in constrictions of uh, a rayman project although you know they, they clearly get involved in it quite deeply what they can do with a new ip maybe if they follow mm. down that same route so, which we'll see. New, new Rainbow Six game. They should definitely, definitely go this way. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Raving Rabbids, which is probably what we will get. <laughs> well, that's true. I doubt it. That series is dead. Yeah, says you. <laughs> Not if it still makes money. It isn't. Yes. Anyway, remember you can get involved with the show via the forum, email, and Twitter. Forthcoming show topics include next week: Oddworld Strangers Wrath. After that, Mass Effect and Mass Effect Two then Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake and we'll be uh, announcing more upcoming shows soon hopefully <laughs> our blog is at canarince.com you should really check it out it's a fine looking place there's loads of quick rinse videos and articles and reviews and all sorts of juicy content uh, we are part of the Character Select Network and you can join in the discussion and indeed add your posts and stuff for inclusion on the podcast at characterselect.net slash forum for instant access to the team, you can follow us on Twitter at CanaRince and email us at CanaRince at gmail.com. Indeed, you can like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash CanaRince, and as ever, your iTunes subscriptions, reviews, and ratings are all very welcome indeed. So, it just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Tony Atkins, James Carter, and Joshua Garrity, and we'll be back with issue 21, Oddworld Strangers Raft, next week. And goodbye. Goodbye.